Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hashing Out the Law. I'm your host, Arash Hashemi. On this episode, I have Mr. Alfred Anderson uh, on, and I brought him on because I wanted to talk to him about a very important issue. Um, and I'm going to let Mr. Anderson get into it. But throughout my experience as a criminal defense attorney, I realized that most people who are not in law enforcement or involved in the court system don't know their actual rights. Uh, and if they did know their rights, the outcome of the cases that that they have or the outcome of their everyday life would be tremendously different. So without going into it much further, Mr. Anderson, how are you? I'm doing very well here in Northeast Washington. Now, Mr. Anderson, uh, we I was telling the listeners and the viewers about knowing your rights. Um, and please tell us about it, a little bit about yourself. You were a, a deputy. You were in law enforcement for several years, correct? Correct. I, I started late in life at the age of 40 after a successful business career uh, previously. And uh, after semi-retiring, I decided that uh, I wanted to either go into be, uh, be a lawyer or into law enforcement. And I decided that uh, for me, law enforcement was better because I'm not an inside office person. So I decided to uh, go into law enforcement at a later age, actually. And when I was going to school, they all called me grandpa. So kind of <laughs> give you the perspective. I was 40 at the time. And, uh, and I've, I have to say my approximately six years in law enforcement, it was the best career of my life because it was so rewarding in so many ways and educational for me from the standpoint of one's constitutional rights in this country. And it's tragic when one considers after being a law enforcement officer, how ignorant the populace really is. And that's, that's too bad. Let me ask you this before you became law enforcement, were you aware of those rights yourself or did you learn them after you became law enforcement? I would have to say I was almost as ignorant as everyone else, and I'll say why. The school system in our country is abysmal at teaching the foundation of what this great country is about, and it's, it's too bad because it's something that if we're going to maintain this uh, republic, and I'll quote someone, Benjamin Franklin, in the book I say, after they came out of the Constitutional Convention, a woman stopped him on the street and asked him, Sir, what kind of a government have you given us? And he replied to her, a republic man, if you can keep it. And it requires an educated populace. And throughout the book, I explain the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, how we as police officers abuse those rights and can until we're stopped. Um, I get involved with the Miranda um, case, Miranda versus Arizona in 66, why that came about, uh, various things. And it's, it's really sad when, as far as to answer that question, I was just about as ignorant as everyone. And my now, eyes Mr. were open when I, when I took the training. Now, Mr. Anderson, the name of your book is Deputy Know Your Rights, A Cop's True Story. Um, and We'll get into the book, but I want to I want to come back to what you were talking about. Um, 
most people don't know their rights, rights and they haven't learned their rights. Um, and you said that most police officers will, what was it that you exactly said? They they will go, they will they trample will on your rights? They will yeah, push. well, they do commonly, and it's, it's in the press commonly where uh, people are going to jail because of violation of civil rights. Of course, the Rodney King case was a famous one where even though the officers were found not guilty in state court, the federal court took them to a court on a violation of civil rights charge. And three, I think out of the four were sent to prison. Right. And that's how powerful it is. And now I think there are four officers in Baltimore or Philadelphia that just killed a young man and they're being charged under the same uh, statute or federal law right uh, i agree with you uh in 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 my work um people ask me well how could you defend someone who is guilty and i know all lawyers have had this question addressed to them and the generic answer and the true answer is i'm not defending that person i'm defending the process so in that process I, you know the, the criminal defense attorney is making sure that law enforcement and the district attorney and the government, uh, the, the, they adhere to the process that they're supposed to, which I have a saying that says, police officers protect um, the people from criminals. Criminal defense attorneys protect the public from police officers. <laughs> and, and I think that's our job that comes into the court when a case is brought in. But let's go back. Let, let's talk about some of your rights. So... Let's say I am driving along. Uh, I get uh, an officer behind me. Sirens go off, and now I pull to the side. Um, how do I? How am I supposed to act? And what are my rights in that situation? Well, number one, a police officer, law enforcement officer, we'll use that term because that incorporates deputies, police officers, marshals, anybody. They must have probable cause to make that stop. Now, that incorporates that's incorporated into the 4th amendment. And without we just can't stop anybody because we feel like it. Color of skin, um whatever. So, what is probable cause? You could explain it as well, but probable cause as I know it and was taught is that a crime has been committed or is about to be committed. Now, in the case of traffic, it's a violation of the traffic code. I have to have a reason. Right. Taillight, whatever the traffic codes of that state are. So then I proceed and I go to the, the window of the office, of the uh, passenger and I explain and I do it kindly. I don't I do it with respect because they are still a citizen and they deserve the respect and kindness that we are as servants of the people should give them. And I explained to them why I stopped them. And uh, then the process begins where we can abuse them of their rights to remain silent, the Fifth Amendment. And that's where most people don't get it. They don't realize your mouth shut. Right. Be nice. Be kind. If I ask you simple questions, where are you going today? Be kind. Answer those. But... If I start asking them, do you know how fast you're going? Or 
do you have have you had anything to drink tonight or today or is there anything in your car you just simply say officer i prefer not to answer those questions an officer might ask why what are you afraid of and you just simply say well it's my right to remain silent and not incriminate myself i don't have to answer your questions all i have to, all a person has to do in a traffic stop is show the driver's license registration and proof of insurance right now mr alfred correct me if i'm wrong you pull you can pull anybody over for the smallest traffic stop like in california you can't have anything hanging from your uh, rear view mirror so you know some people have dice or something that could be an excuse for the officers to pull you over now when the officers pull you over for that that's a legal stop because you actually violated a vehicle code but but at that point the officers depending on your behavior or a smell coming out of your car or what's sitting on the on the on on the seat that probable cause could change and it could go to something further so all this stuff that you're saying is true i would add that make sure that you have nothing or you're not doing anything illegal uh, don't and, have anything plain view evidence in right. other words plain view evidence means i can see it in your car whether it be paraphernalia open container anything that's a violation of traffic code whatever a gun or a knife that could possibly be illegal uh each state is different because california is a more restrictive state on a lot of uh, weapons and things on that order however you know, just keep things out of the way and, you know, be kind. And uh, unless I smell it, if I smell alcoholic beverage, don't smell alcohol, smell alcoholic beverages, then I have further probable cause to uh, amp up the investigation, whether I pull you out of the car for sobriety tests or whatever. I still have to have probable cause to do that. Right. I was watching cops a while ago. I don't remember what state it was, but the scenario that happened was a perfect example of what we were talking about. This lady got pulled over and the officer, I think he was, he was being very nice. And he said, I pulled you over for, I think making a U-turn or something. And she goes, okay, give me my ticket. He goes, where are you coming from? And she goes, that's none of your business. That's not why you pulled me over, is it? And he goes, no, I'm just trying to ask you where you're coming from. He goes, she said, it's none of your business. Give me my ticket. And officer goes, where are you going? Why are you in such a hurry? And she goes, I told you, it's none of your business. Give me my ticket. And the, it, it, even though she was doing it rudely and the, there was a cameraman because it was on cops, she was right. And like, you pulled me over for giving me a U-turn. Now give me my ticket unless you have some other business and let me be on my way. And he kept trying to ask her all these questions. Where are you coming from? Where are you, where are you going? What did you do today? And she kept telling him, it's none of your business. Give me my ticket. Now, in your experience as a law enforcement officer, is that right? Well, we have to tolerate a lot of nonsense. You know, what do you call, might call a bullshit from people. But that's part of being a servant. We have right. to, we have to basically handle people on a different level depending on how they respond to us 
for one instance, I had a major stop where I wrote a multiple of tickets and she was a young gal and she uh, was abusive. And so, you know, you don't write tickets to uh, sometimes for an attitude change. And in this case, it was an attitude change because she was just like the individual you were talking about, abusive, not kind. And I was nice. Right. You know, you try to be kind and nice to people. Let me ask you this. Even though the example I gave, that woman was abusive, I'm not condoning that behavior. The fact that she was saying, look, you pulled me over for a U-turn. Give me my citation for an illegal U-turn and let me go because you have no business of asking me where I came from or where I'm going. Was she right in that? Yes. I mean, in in, in essence, he's he's pushing it a little bit to see, okay, you know, leading her into possibly admitting to something that she doesn't have to. As I said, try to be kind, be conversant. But if you admit to one going one mile over the speed limit, you've incriminated yourself. You don't have to answer how fast were you going or so on and so forth. All you have to do, and each state is different, present that driver's license, proof of insurance, and registration. Now, driving is not a right. It is a privilege granted by the state. So we don't have the same rights per se to maintain that, that privilege. Right. So let, let me ask you this. Let, let's, let's take this hypothetical to the next level. You pull someone over, you find probable cause, um, you smelled alcohol on their breath or something, um, and you ask them if, if they want to take the test, uh, the, the field sobriety test where you got to get out of the car, walk around, or you want to take the breathalyzer. I know in our state, most people don't know. They don't have to do that. But for our scenario, let's say they do that, they fail it, and now you've placed them under arrest. What rights kick in once you place them under arrest? Well, I mean, obviously, don't don't continue to talk. Don't say anything. The best thing you can do is just be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't admit to anything. We have to prove your guilt. We have to show evidence to show that, hey, you're over the limit. Now, in California, I don't know if it's called DUI or DWI, but we have to show an alcohol content of 0.08 BAC, which is blood alcohol content. So, but beyond that, um, if I arrest them, I will obviously handcuff them, put them in my car, explain why I'm doing it. And that goes through a process of uh, sobriety tests. The, the primary one I used was horizontal gaze nystagmus. And that will tell me almost immediately what level that person is at. I might continue with the nine-step walk and turn, uh, one-leg stand. Simply one of the biggest drug or alcohol or DUI cases I had was because the man failed to recite the alphabet. <laughs> and it was, I almost let him go because he was so practiced as a drunk. And his, when I finally brought him to have the analysis done, he was a point three five wow and he was still walking he's still alive he was functional 
he was extremely functional, which shocked me into knowing that this, and the only reason, and I'll give this as a prime example of keeping your mouth shut. I asked him, would you, you mind reciting the alphabet? And drunks will not try to antagonize or contest or object. They know that uh, if they do, they're going to be in trouble. He met, he, he was slow on his recital, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We all know how to do that. He was A, B, C, D, very slow, but correct until he hit, I think, the letter J, and he missed it. And that gave me the right to take him out of the car. Although I smelled alcoholic beverage, I just didn't have enough to really say, okay. Oh, another thing. He had all his windows down and it was cold outside. So, of course, that happens a lot where they want the smell to get out of the car. Right. Now, but anyway, for failing to, because he didn't shut up, he didn't reject me uh, or say, sorry, officer, I'm not going to answer any more questions. Now, let me he, ask you this. A lot of people tell me, well, the officer didn't read my rights. He didn't read me my rights. Now, when you arrest someone, do you have to read their rights right away? Well, generally speaking, if I wish to further uh, question them, it, the reading of rights only really applies when I ask further questions. It's wise to do that. Tell them their rights even after an arrest. Once I have arrested somebody, I'll tell them you have the right to remain silent. Now, let me ask you this. You arrest someone, you don't intend to question them. You don't read their rights. You put them in the back of the squad car and you're driving. That person starts talking to you and starts having a conversation with you. And during that conversation, they say incriminating statements. Because you didn't read their rights, will those statements still be allowed in? Well, it depends, but it's called excited utterance. And that's why I try to read in their rights because, all right, I've told you, you have the right to shut up, don't talk. And then they get in the back of my patrol unit and start talking. Right. And that's called excited utterance, which is admissible in the court. Now, in, so, in some cases, it may not be because I failed to read them their rights. Right. Well, I always use the guideline. Once I've arrested you, I'm going to read you your rights. Just to protect me in that case so that way my ass is covered and wouldn't you agree that most people don't know that don't know that if they voluntarily no. talk uh it still can be used against them if the people if, if the officer has not read them their rights so don't you agree that most people don't know that and if they did it would help them instead of hinder them most people don't know anything about their rights and I read that I write that in the book, and I try to explain through my anecdotal stories why it's important to know at least the first ten amendments, and if nothing else, the fourth, the fifth, and I also bring out the second. Now, why is the second so important? And the second amendment is the right to bear arms, correct? Right. It why protects is that all. It, it protects everything else. And I, I kind of hit on that because the founding fathers basically stated 
It is not about hunting. It's not about self-defense. It's about keeping the power in the hands of the people against the tyrannical government, which we have now. And what are they trying to do? Take that power from the people in right. all the states, California especially. Even though the Supreme Court and many appellate courts knock them down, they keep putting up more laws. Right. So the Second Amendment is all about maintaining control in the hands of the people against a tyranny. Right. And most people don't know that. It, it's because they figured, the, the founding fathers figured, if the government has the power, meaning if they have the actual physical power of owning all the weapons, then they can enforce their will on the people and the people cannot fight back. But right. if the people are allowed to have arms, then it gives them some sort of physical power in case the government tries to enforce rules and laws with violence, the people can then fight back. So it's meant to be a counterbalance. Um, that's a whole different issue. Of well, there's a there's an important saying that says when the people, when the government fears the people, there is liberty. When the people fear the government, there's tyranny. That That's a very great saying. Yes. Now, we talked about the Second Amendment. It, it, you said it's an important one. Now you talked about the Fourth Amendment. And the Fourth Amendment is the right to have uh, to the right against self. Or, I'm sorry. The right against um, being searched and seizured illegally. Right. Um, could the you right of the people to, to be secure in their persons, places, houses, and effects. And really, uh, but upon warrant, you know, a warrant from the court, you cannot search a person's body, car, house, anything that is not specified. And I bring that out in the book where it says, where, where I explain, all right, let's say police get a, a warrant to search for a long gun. So can they go into a house and search everywhere and for anything? No, it's specified in the warrant what they're looking for. So if they open up little drawers and they find something, that's illegal. It'd be thrown out. It's called, you know, fr fruit of the poisonous tree in many cases. Because the long gun cannot be stored in such a place. Exactly. Exactly. And that was very, you know, the Fourth Amendment was well-crafted by the founding fathers, because they saw the abuses of a tyranny that they lived in in Europe and under English rule. So these, these first 10 amendments very well. And now, let, all... let, let's, take, take, let's take the Fourth Amendment and apply it to our scenario. Um, when the officer pulls you over for a traffic stop, a lot, of, a lot of times the officer go, can I search your trunk? Do you mind if, you're, if I search your trunk? And people just say yes. But the reason the officer is asking that is because the officer doesn't have a right to search your trunk because he pulled you over for illegal U-turn or something. And people say yes because they're they're afraid and right. the officers search their trunk. Now, when an officer asks you, can I search your trunk? Do you have a right to say no? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. The only time. And that's and the Fourth I, Amendment, and... right? Under the Fourth Amendment, you you are protected. In other words, if I ask, um, do you have anything illegal in your car that I should know about? You should automatically say, I don't answer those questions. Don't go there. Shut up. 
can I search? May I search your, your trunk? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's just as important as the Fifth Amendment, which basically says, be quiet. Don't, don't go there. Right. And, and the those, Fifth Amendment, I was going to get into that, is the right against self-incrimination. Correct. Um, so that goes back to Miranda and everything we talked about. Now, your book, uh, where can people find your book? You can find it on Amazon.com under the hardcover, softcover ebook, and soon to be out in uh, audiobook. Also, Barnes and Noble, any worldwide seller is uh, handling it. Awesome. Uh, we have we have sales from Italy, Sweden, other parts of the world. Great. So it's you know online anymore. You can get anything. And we're going to include the links to the Amazon and everywhere else where your book is is available. In, in the podcast uh, description, so all the listeners and viewers can can get the book. Um, I'll uh, that, I'll just show it on the camera here yes, what it please. looks like, <laughs> if you can see it all. That's yes, the, and we're gonna, we're gonna have that we're gonna have that picture as well on the podcast, so people know what the book actually looks like. Now we talked about the second, fourth, fifth. Obviously, the the first ten amendments, the Bill of Rights, are very important, and people's rights are on those. What other rights? you think are very important that people have no clue about that they 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 have these rights well freedom of speech obviously assembly and everything else the first amendment is being abused heavily right now and people just don't have the will or the understanding to say to stand up against the authorities that's that's huge the second amendment we talked about uh Beyond that, I don't get much more into those rights in the book because then it gets to be more of a constitutional class than it does common uh, sense dealing with the, the with the police. Right, and that's what I wanted to emphasize. Your book is not about you're not teaching the people the to ten the the ten first ten amendments as a constitutional history. Your book is more I would like to call it a field guide for people who gets stopped by law enforcement or have exactly. interaction with law enforcement so they know their rights. Um, and that is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast because I think it's important. So again, Deputy Know Your Rights, A Cop's True Story is the name of the book. Uh, I, I like to call it the field guide for people. Everybody should buy it. Everybody should read it. Know your rights. Um, even if you have no reason to believe you're going to be involved with law enforcement. You never know a traffic stop. Everything could start from a traffic stop. But if you know your rights and you know how to act, you could avoid a lot of trouble. Now, um, you have any, before we, we sign off, do you have any interesting war stories you want to share with us? <laughs> well, again, it gets down to uh, my philosophy. My philosophy was always based on an adage called humility is the catalyst that makes power benevolent. And uh, so many of my compatriots who were younger thought that badge weighed 35 pounds and their chest stuck out to support it and they're arrogant and they're condescending. That's wrong. I mean, again, I handled the case of a felon out of San Quentin. And, and I will relate a case dealing with the I call them. We had uh, 
Now, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. The sheriff is the supreme power in his county. Nobody can come in and usurp his authority. FBI, ATF, DEA, no one. And that was established in 97 by a court case by Dave Mathis, sheriff, out of Bighorn County in Wyoming. And they back, uh, they, the district court at the time in Wyoming basically established the fact that the sheriff is supreme. If he doesn't want you in your county, his county, they can't come in. They have to go in and ask permission because the IRS and the ATF were abusing people's their rights, doing things they shouldn't without warrants, without you know the proper procedures. The probably the most interesting part was when the ATF and uh, yeah, it was ATF came. Three of them. A woman was in the lead. And they asked for our help. My lieutenant, myself, went to help them. And the, the thing people see is that the, the federals are very arrogant and think that they look down their nose on the local uh, law enforcement people. And yet we're the ones out there daily facing the dangers. This lady, who was the head ATF agent, wore her gun on her side like a gunslinger. And one of the supreme things of law of officer safety, protect that gun. Don't expose that gun side to anyone. She's alongside this guy who is a felon. He's on parole. He supposedly had an illegal weapon. And they're going to tell her she's they're talking to this one, this man's wife, that he could possibly go back to San Quentin. Well, this lady is just standing there nonchalant. The, the ATF agent with her gun totally exposed, my lieutenant and I looked at each other. We backed off 10 feet. This lady got pissed. She would have grabbed that gun and started firing. And again, it goes to show that the federal agencies are not what everybody thinks they are. It's the local guys that really are trained well and handle it daily. We wear a vest under our shirt every day the federals they might put one on over their shirts emblazoned on the back fbi batf and it's 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 hard to deal with you know law enforcement officers like that and they're getting a bad name right now the fbi is so disrespected same with the doj i mean everybody sees the double standard and it's too bad so it, it is. isn't a, exactly a particular case, but I think an important point of what people should see and do see. And again, your book, it's its not just a field guy for dealing with law enforcement on the local level. It's for dealing with law enforcement, period, because believe it or not, the rights you have apply to every government entity trying to interfere with you, whether it's the municipal police, the county sheriffs the state highway patrol, uh, the FBI, the, all your rights that are guaranteed to you in the Constitution apply at every government entity. Again, deputy, know your rights, a cop's true story. Uh, and I apologize if you find it offensive, but I do think it's a field guide and people should have it with them. No. They should read it and they should use it because it's not a book 
meant to teach you history or meant to teach you constitution. It's meant to teach you your rights, your everyday rights that you need and must know in order to have a, a peaceful existence when law, law enforcement tries to um, interfere in your life. Correct. Um, Absolutely correct. Mr. Anderson, it was a pleasure. Um, I, I wish you luck. And I hope that I will speak to you on your next book. And it's published. It just came out that it's a novel. So awesome. another time. <laughs> another time. I, yes. uh, since it is Friday, I, I know some people might hear this on another day, but since, since it is Friday, I wish you a great weekend. You as well. And it was a pleasure being on your podcast. And uh, I hope it's been beneficial. It's, it is a guidebook and it's something everybody should read, really. It really is that important. Thank you.